there are very few things that you really need to focus on. You really need to decide where the bullet's coming from, how do I get out of this, or how am I going to move forward? That's it, right? It's not that complicated. Your legacy is your brand, what you're building. We want to inspire a generation of entrepreneurs to fearlessly create things that matter with a community that supports, motivates, and guides them towards victory as they take on the giants standing in their way. This is the Battle Ready Brands Podcast. The economy is constantly changing. Today's brands need a battle strategy that is tested and proven to help them win. Suit up. It's time to get battle ready. And here are your hosts, Matt Kretzman and Brad Parnell. This episode with Alden Mills is amazing. You guys are really going to enjoy listening to the episode with him. It's long, but it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, what did you think? Oh my gosh. I mean, yes, this is one of those that you really need to take some notes on and, and, and put these things into practice. I mean... I think the biggest the biggest takeaway for me, Matt, was, you know, it's this consistent theme of keeping it simple, but the things that are really simple are also really hard. And, yeah. you know, Alden just keeps telling these stories of, I mean, mm. just the, the, these biggest truths that are so such simple concepts, but we can't lose sight of that. It's a lot, it's easy for us in this age of technology and speed just mm-hmm. to just to blow through those and think like, it can't be that simple. That's There's right. gotta be a more complicated system yeah. That, that takes more time, costs more money right? for me to get this right. And the truth is, yeah. man, keep it simple. Go back to these simple truths and apply yeah. them. And yeah. I'm so thankful that he just, he shared so much of that with us. He shared a lot. You know, here on the Battle Ready Brands podcast, we're always focusing on how can we provide more fuel to your fire. That's right. Because we're all about fueling brands to endure. We want you guys not to be the flash in the pan. We want what you're building to last, mm. to make a difference, to build something that matters. And Alden really gave us a lot of practical tips on this episode to do that. And I like what you were saying in that um, it's not about complication, right? It's about what's simple. And and it's true. If it's, if it's simple and it's meaningful, it usually is going to be hard. Yeah. And that's all the more reason to do it, um, to force yourself to be dedicated, to do the hard work. And um, you're going to be refreshed by this episode. If you're kind of finding yourself in a little bit of a low, pl- low place or you need some pick-me-up, um, and this isn't just a motivational talk, guys. We, we just don't bring on guests that just create a lot of fluff. Like, this guy has done it. Yeah. He's written a couple books. He's been through life. He's going to infuse you guys with a lot of passion uh, to keep building something that endures. Yes. Very practical tips. And he gives something of such value of how to get unstuck. So Battle Ready Tribe, on our show today, we're honored to have a man who was a three-time Naval SEAL platoon commander a nationally ranked rower, founder and CEO of one of the nation's fastest growing companies, an author of Be Unstoppable and Unstoppable Teams, Um, also earned an MBA at Carnegie Mellon's Tepper School. Welcome to the show, Alden Mills. Thanks for being here, Alden. Fellas, it's great to be here today. I'm fired up. Let's get these entrepreneurs out there ready to go. Yeah, get them pumped up. I love it. I love it. So let's let's jump right in. So tell us, Alden, before you were a Navy SEAL, who was Alden Mills? Well, let's see. Uh, how far back do we want to go on this? Uh, post diaper. <laughs> post post diaper. Well, okay. So I actually 
I think there's a little bit of an entrepreneurial journey for me that's right after post diaper. That would be around 12 years of age. And uh, Alden was, first of all, a super uncoordinated athlete. So I don't even know if that makes sense. If you're uncoordinated, could you be an athlete? Let's go together. Anyhow, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, I, I have to bring that up because I sucked at ball sports. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. And that must have been hard being from New England with the Red Sox, the Patriots, um, you know, all the iconic oh. teams that are out there. Let, let, let me just give a little context for everybody out there. I'm the only one that I know of that scored against my own team in basketball, hockey, lacrosse. And soccer, okay. Yeah, that's that's how bad I was. So there's a little context of who Alden Mills was athletically. Um, but the other thing Alden Mills was at around 12, because I, I bring that up, is when I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug, and it was the summer I was in. I spent my summers in Cape Cod in this little Cape Cod house, but we were we had access to the water, and I loved catching blue crabs. And we had, there's this little motel down the street. And my dad said, you know, uh, there's a bunch of Maryland license plates going by. They love blue crabs. Why don't you start a little business selling blue crabs on the side of the road? And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because I caught all these crabs all the time, but I could never eat them all. So I ended up having to let them go. And then I'd catch them again because I just love catching these feisty little things. And uh, I started selling blue crabs. I put a sign out there and... I I asked my dad, like, what do you think I should price these things? And he's like, oh, start high and work your way down. And I started selling them for $2 a crab. And then if they wanted them cooked, it was $3 a crab. And in the first week, nice. I made $100. Wow. Not bad as a 12-year-old. That's pretty good. Oh, I was stoked. And then okay. the next how, week. How many crabs were you catching? Uh, at any given time, I could, like my biggest order were two dozen, right? That's 24 crabs. That was that was hard. Um, and then the next week, the police came and shut me down. And the police came by, and I remember my father got really annoyed at him. And he's like, you know, this is what this – he's just trying to be an, an American entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, he doesn't have a shellfish license. He can't sell shellfish, period. But that kind of started things. I still have that sign, by the way. Um, That's amazing. That's yeah. And, and the, the only other thing I'll add about uh, early years, 12 was also the year I got diagnosed with asthma. And it was the year that my uh, mom started whispering in my head, hey, no one defines what you can do, but you, it's up to you. It's your limits. So those are kind of my three milestones of my early years. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to get into that. Uh, but before we do, just, could you talk to us real quick about just general, your family, how many kids you have? Um, where you're at right now, what you're doing. I now live in Northern California. Uh, after I left business school, my wife and I decided to move to a city neither of us had lived in. I have four boys, ages nine to 16. I have two Labradors, um, five new goldfish that I got yesterday because we sold <laughs> all the other ones last week. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's good. That's cool. So you, you mentioned, um, and all of us with, you know, with kids, we, have like, it's this revolving door of pets. I get it. Like, you know, my wife, we have a hamster and then we don't have a hamster. And then it's like, it's a gerbil and 
couple fish and then they die. And uh, I guess somehow we're preparing our kids for life, right? <laughs> oh, I had, we had a python for a long time, Slither, and Slither kept getting out, you know, ball python and... And then the hands disappeared. And we had to give Slither up. And I had to, I was like, well, why don't we just let the snake go? I mean, California would be a good place for it, but yeah. that's, that's not a good idea. So <laughs> Slither, right. Slither went back to the, uh, the, the, the pet short, the pet store, the pets, the pet store and eventually heaven snake heaven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So, so I know you, you mentioned about asthma and I know you even talked about it on your website, um, which means that it must've really, impacted you and it's a big part of your story how did how did that affect you as a kid growing up with asthma and then your mom you know whispering that into your ears to help you keep growing and not let that define you how did that how did that play out in your youth growing up hey my friends so if you're a business owner entrepreneur one of the hardest things to do is to generate leads i mean there's going to networking events there's you know running your own facebook ads there's doing all of this work to try to get people and here's the secret truth is only 3% of all people are ready to buy today. And that's usually what we only focus on. So we've created a free resource called the Sales Volcano of everything that's beneath the 3% and actually how to talk to those people, how to warm them up. And we've created a free PDF for you to download so you can start using that today to help blow up your leads and sales. So go to 90dayvolcano.com or just click this link below and we're gonna give that to you for absolutely free. So 90 Day Volcano, enjoy it. Peace. Well, I, I do remember in the very beginning, you know, I, I tell a, a, a much longer story about this where she sends me out into the lobby after the doctor says uh, he has asthma and he really ought to lead a less active lifestyle and learn the game of chess. And, you know, I immediately was like, oh, my God, chess. I suck at checkers. Like, how am I going to play chess, right? My head's already down that path. I mean, I'm, he's the authority figure. He's a doctor. He knows best. So I had already relinquished the fact that I needed to lead a less active lifestyle. And it was my mom, who, by the way, has asthma, said, hey, come on, get, get over this self-pity party you have to define what you can or can't do. And of course I didn't get it that day and I didn't get it. I didn't get it the first year, but mom and dad just kept whispering, like, go try it, go try another sport, go try something else, go just keep trying things. And that eventually got me to find this sport called rowing and turned out I, I was pretty good at sitting on my butt going backwards. Um, <laughs> I like that. Hidden talent. No. Um, but you know, I, I joke about it, but it's really just a sport of suffering, right? It's about how hard you're willing to work, uh, which, by the way, for the most part, is I think what we're talking about today with entrepreneurship, right? There are so many people, and it's it's a great metaphorical story for everybody else out there. It's like, oh, well, there's no entrepreneurs in my family. I can never be an entrepreneur. Oh, I didn't go to school. I don't have enough education. Oh, I don't have any good ideas. Oh, I don't. You know, they just come up all these excuses. And, and my mom was re pulling back all these excuses because I remember there were times where like I'd, I'd be running in a kickball game or something and be like, oh, I better go slower because I don't, I have asthma. I, I, I can't, I, I shouldn't push myself as hard, right? Yeah. It's the ultimate stay in the comfort zone card. Mm -hmm. and, and over time, I take a little harder step, a little harder step. I realize, like, hey, you know what? It's up to me. Mm -hmm. 
It's up to me. And, and you kind of talk about that in the book and be unstoppable. Your first one, which uh, is amazing, by the way, if, if you don't, if you haven't picked up a copy, you need to grab a copy. I love the style with which it was written. But you talk about that in in the characters of Master and Commander Peter, and then you've got Tim. You know, right. and, um, you know Tim here at the, in page, uh, I can't remember what page it was, but he says, I started, uh, Peter says to Tim, I started by asking the question, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Whether you like it or not, your brain has already come to accept limitations that have been imposed by other people. So, you know, for, for you, at an early age, those were some limitations. Like you had somebody who tried to impose those limitations on you. Fortunately, you had somebody speak truth into your life. Now I'm curious, and I'm going to ask this question for the sake of our listeners um, who are interested in building a battle ready brand. They're out there. They're, they're trying. There are some that are in different parts of their journey, but what do you say to them who don't have somebody in their lives like your mom? who speak that truth and, and don't give an opportunity for excuses to sabotage p- potential of pursuing their dream. Well, listen guys, uh, not to just promote what you're doing, but the reason I'm here is because I love what you're doing. I think that you are that other voice, right? That's what this is. This, that's what this show's about. That's what so many of us entrepreneurs who want to give back is all about is whispering to that next generation. Hey, get up. Try again. You got this. Keep going. Mm. Believe in you. We did it. You know, we can't pull that parachute lever for you. It's another story, a a big metaphor I like to use about jumping out of airplanes. But (laughs) you got to be, you got to, you got to pull the chute. You got to go try. You have to try. And and the only way you can really try is you got to go head first, go all in on this and realize and look for those mentors, those in SEAL team, we call them swim buddies. You know, you go through SEAL training and up through the first, in my case, it was the first six weeks until you went through hell week. You have like an 80% attrition rate. People quit. But then you start to get really aligned with another swim buddy. And guess what happens? You go from an 80% attrition rate to a 90% success rate because you got that that swim buddy, that partner, that wingman, however you want to look at it. It's the smallest team, right? Um, And I think it's no mistake that there's two of you sitting there talking to me, right? Mm -hmm. Because you guys are your each other's swim buddies and you're picking each other up and we're pushing each other to go further. That's the beauty of peer pressure. So go find yourself a swim buddy and stop with the damn excuses. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was going to say, so I, I know in your unstoppable teams, when you talked about swim buddies, you mentioned one part where I think two guys just quit in the training where, where they had their feet and their hands tied together and they had to jump in the pool and you have to figure out how to, how to swim without using your, your hands and your feet. So I'm just curious, one, like how, how is that possible? <laughs> and, and two, I think you relate a lot of that to just, just focus how much of that is just a mental game. And how the more that that we start to to think through, like why I can't do this, what's going to happen, the longer that we sit there and process that, the deeper and deeper, kind of that downward spiral that you mentioned, mm-hmm. just kind of keep going down that path. So, one, how how do you swim without your hands and feet? <laughs> uh, well, so here's the interesting thing: that story is called drown proofing, and you know, way before we had the internet, I was going through SEAL training, and they loved 
to tell you the final exam and then tell you, oh, by the way, you're going to swim 350 yards, 300 yards. You're going to float for 10 minutes. You're going to bob up and down for 10 minutes. You're going to get this mask teeth off the bottom of the pool. And, and you're going to do it with your hands and feet tied and your hands tied behind your back and your feet tied together. And you're like, what? Right? <laughs> like that's what your brain immediately goes. That's ridiculous. That's terrible. You could die, right? All the negatives, your brain starts, and that's exactly what they want you to do. Do they put you in the deep end of the pool with your hands tied behind your back and your feet tied together? No. They'll tie your feet together, and then you start to put your hands behind your back holding a, a little rope, and but you start to learn like, hey, wait a minute. If I and you look like an idiot in the beginning, right? You go backwards, but you, you're like an inchworm. Your, your head and your, your shoulders and your spine, it all starts to dolphin together. And one thing after another, and you start to go, hey, wait a second. The very things that I learned in life that I thought I needed my arms and my legs to swim, I actually don't. I can do this with just my head and doing a motion like a dolphin. Wow. And that's the whole point. It wasn't, and by the way, uh, the two, there were two people that they didn't even, they didn't even get to the point of tying their feet together. They just left because they're like, Oh my God, that's too crazy. I'm out of here. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that's after, after, and after making it that far, cause that wasn't the first part, right? Like there was lots of things leading up to that before they, well, that was, well, that, that one was like the first week okay. of a conversation, but, um, you know, one day feels like a week when you go through that training, but yeah, that's the bigger point. And I tell that story because you are going to run into exactly the same things when you start your business and there will be other entrepreneurs out there that will not be as, uh, positive as the three of us are today of saying, Oh my God, if I knew what I knew now, I'd never do what I did. Right. It's like you got, uh, instead of swimming 350 yards, it's you're going to have 350 days of hell. You're going to be totally broke. Everyone's going to hate you. Blah. You know, you're going to go through all this. They're telling you the final exam before you've even started. Mm -hmm. And, and Oh, by the way, that entrepreneur probably isn't doing so great probably failed. And what happens there? Another thing in SEAL training, misery loves company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The miserables. They just want you to be part of their miserable lives. Hey guys, so if you're wanting to grow your business online, you need an online sales funnel that converts visitors into leads and then into customers without having to be an expert digital marketer or techno geek. You know, ClickFunnels has helped us grow our business and our clients' businesses too. And that's how 95,000 other entrepreneurs are building their business online. Today, over $4 billion has been processed through ClickFunnels and you need, to get, you need to get a piece of that action. Yeah, that's right. So we're giving away a 14-day free trial so you can actually start building funnels for your brand. All you have to do is go to click.battlereadybrands.com. That's click.battlereadybrands.com. Yeah. So let, let's couch on that theme of swimming without your arms and legs, because I love the analogy that that conveys to us out in the business world that are building 
a battle-ready brand or building something that that lasts. You, I mean, you, you alluded to it, but let's go there a little bit more. There was an investor, and we don't have to say his name, but, but he actually said to you, you're embarrassing yourself. You need to stop when you were building perfect fitness. What, yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit? Like, What was going on and how did that affect you? Oh, my God. So, you know, SEAL Team has hell week. Uh, I had hell years as a civilian because you have the double, the, the, the double whammy for me was I had grown up in the military, gone to the Naval Academy, gone to the SEAL team. And, and so by the time I got out, I was 32 years old and I was like, what's wrong with these civilians? They're, they're, they're totally different than the military folks that I grew up with. So it took some while to get used to that. But the other piece was I had, I raised a million and a half dollars and then learned $1,475,000 worth of ways not to launch a product. And this was my baby, right? The world's greatest fat burning device, the rotational weight system. Nice. <laughs> yes. The body rev. <laughs> I love that thing. And when you say it, you got to say it just like that. You need to do a commercial with like one of our that. products. <laughs> this was the greatest thing ever. And, I, you know, it just, it only had taken me four years to realize that other people hadn't seen the greatness yet in it. And I just needed a little more time. And these investors who were like the doctor, the doctor and the investors were doing exactly the same thing. They were just trying to keep me safe, trying to keep me in a comfortable place and be like, hey, this isn't working anymore. You are beating the crap out of yourselves. Come on. It's over. And, and this particular investor who is a friend uh, just said, Alden, not only is it over, let me show you these charts. You see this chart here? It's called a cash flow statement. You don't have enough money to pay the lawyers, manufacturers your accountants, you're broke. You have to go bankrupt. It's the only option you have. And, and oh, by the way, it's time because you're, you're embarrassing yourself. You need to go get a job. You mm. have a family. And by the way, this was the moment I had been pitching my new idea. I'd finally, after four years, realized, okay, the great, world's greatest fat burning device needs to be put on the shelf for a little while because I was just too advanced for the rest of the world, right? <laughs> they were positive on that. Yeah. <laughs> and and that product that I was pitching them that no one was interested in investing in was called the perfect push-up. And I thankfully had a couple of other swim buddies that kept saying, you know what? Let's do this. Let's figure out a way. With the last 25K, let's let's figure out a way to launch it. And by the way, I never flushed those investors. I kept them all along. And I said, you know, you guys were with me and it wouldn't be right. Let's and I, I kept them in. And you know, the, the story changed mm. time after that. Mm. Yeah. So what what is the rest of the story? I mean, I know you fought uphill. You had the last 25 grand. We might as well finish it. Like what, what happened after that? Well, I, so I'll, I'll give you the, the brief summary and then you can tell me how far we want to go into it. But uh, three years later, Inc. Magazine called us the fastest growing consumer products company in the country. We were number four overall and did almost a hundred million in sales. And we only had at that time, like four products, right? Uh, three years later, we sold the business and grew it 
to about eight feet of shelf space in Walmart when I, I stayed on with the business and grew to over a hundred products. Um, wow. And it was that pivotal moment where you were, where I was sitting there with these, this round table of five investors who said it's over. And one of the things that I did when I came out of that, besides like, well, that sucked. Uh, you know, I, I did think about that doctor. I'm like, please, do I want to learn to play chess? And I knew what this would mean if I gave up at that point. If I gave up at that point, I would be doing a real walk of shame. And I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I had no idea where I would want to go. And the idea of working nine to five, and I, and I just started playing out all these different outcomes. And I would go look at my kids in the middle of the night, and I would say, to Henry and Charlie, who were um, the oldest ones at the time that they were asleep, but I'd play it out and it'd be like, Hey, uh, daddy went bankrupt today. And then I'd say, well, what would they say to that? Well, daddy, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, it means we got to move and we're going to work. Daddy's going to do something different. And I would see how that felt mm. when I said those things. Wow. And I like, Oh, that sucks. I am not going to play in that movie. I'm going to go back to the drawing ground. And I, you know, I got with my swim buddy and, and we had a couple of others and we're like, we can figure out a way to launch this product. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but we started with advertising in the back of some magazines. And then we got enough to do a one minute infomercial, not a 30 minute infomercial. And then we got into Dick's and Walmart and sports authority. And, you know, three years later, we're in 30,000 retail doors. That's incredible. Wow. So it sounds like, I mean, it was that, and you speak a lot about this in your book too, but that, that focus, what the things that you can control, like you might not be able to control directly those outcomes, but you can control your focus and mm-hmm. what you're, what you're thinking about and like walking through the scenarios with those kids. Like I can't even imagine the power, like, you know, like Matt and I both have kids. I'm sure a lot of you listeners, if you have families and kids, like imagine what it would be like playing through those scenarios, like, going as your kids are sleeping, just sitting in there and watching them and thinking about telling them, Hey, daddy, daddy failed. We have to start all over. We've got to sell all this stuff. And if you, if you can still think those thoughts, that means you can still have a chance to, to correct those sounds like if you can mentally prepare for it. Yeah. I wonder is, is that you talked about, you know, you came back um, from serving time in the Navy and, and you said, you had to get like almost re- re- reacclimated or maybe it was culture shock to the civilians. You're like, man, these civilians. Is, is that the difference between like a military mindset and a civilian mindset? Is there something there for those of us who have not experienced going off into battle or serving that helped prepare you when you came back to manage conflict better? Like what, what is it? How are you thinking that's different than somebody who hasn't experienced what you've experienced? Well, the one thing I think military training really gives you a leg up on is the idea of what are you going to focus on? You know, when things really hit the fan, there are very few things that you really need to focus on. You really need to decide where the bullet's coming from. How do I get out of this or how am I going to move forward? That's it, right? It's not that complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. And I really get the sense there's a lot of internal, like pulling our belly button out and deciding, well, is this the right thing or that? Or like, hey, look, what are we doing here? Let's move this forward. And, and But I, I do want to say this. 
there are some things in SEAL training that make it a lot easier to be a Navy SEAL than it is to be an entrepreneur. You see, in Navy SEAL training, we have this thing called X Division. They can come in, tap you on the shoulder and say, we don't like your attitude. Go to X Division. You're out. You can't do that as a civilian. X Division (laughs) is this place where they're not, the people who are in X Division, they can't interact with you. They can't even look at you. You run by them. They have to turn around. They're not allowed to have any interaction. And why do they have this? Because they know the people in the arena are very fragile. And they don't want any negativity to come into them. As a civilian, we can't have an X division. Now, we can't have a physical one, but we can have a mental one in our head. We can say to ourselves, okay, is what I just listened to helpful or hurtful to me? You know, again, what are you guys doing? You're sending out helpful information. For entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I don't know, I'm like, Listening to you is a helpful thing. And hopefully some of the things that I say to those people out there, like, hey, yeah, I, I agree with what Matt and Alden and Brad were talking about. You got to create that X division in your head first, because then you need to lead that X division in your team and say, guys, gals, I know everybody says we're crazy. That's not helpful. Let me show you what we can do today. Let's define it, divide it and just keep doing it. Mm, that's amazing. Wow. So, I mean, I want, I want to pause there for a minute. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a big deal that you just dropped on us. So battle ready tribe listeners out there, the X division, how do you, when you hear things, are they positive? Are you going to, are they going to help you? Or are they going to hurt you? And how do you mentally separate this two and make a decision of what's going to be reinforcing your mission, your values, where you're going Create that X division. We might not call it the wow. X division, um, or we might verbally, or we might. <laughs> but but I think that's that's so important, you know, of, of those thoughts. And again, how you talk so much about focus. Um, you know, what we think about, what we believe in, what we focus on, the things that we can control will help guide us to where we want to be. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think the power too is in in like you've demonstrated, you've you've purposely forced yourself to go places mentally where we don't want to go. Like, I don't even want to think about going bankrupt. I don't even want to think about failing. I don't even want to think about being an embarrassment. And we think that by ignoring it, it's not going to happen. But you're actually telling people the opposite. Like, you have to think about it. You have to at least explore what that would feel like so that you can, so that you can avoid actually it becoming a reality. You avoid experiencing it, right? I want them to feel it. When I was in those, uh, when I was in the cold water and there was just one time where I thought about quitting in hell week, I was the only officer. There were 17 enlisted left and we had started with 122 and then we classed up 64. Now we're down to 18 And these, these instructors, the way they were getting at me was they'd come up to me and whisper in my ear, sir, do you honestly think you're a leader? Look at your class. This is the class that never was. We think we're going to shut this class down and just roll it in with the next class. There's no way you can lead and seal team, sir. Here's the bell. You just come over here. Come on. It's come on. You're guess what? You're embarrassing yourself. 
Mm. Oh, guess where I heard that before. Uh, <laughs> real. But but so you know, you start hearing that and you're like, gee, that's kind of logical, right? You know, like maybe I am not a good leader. And even though I've been the captain of the crew at the Naval Academy and I, I thought I was a pretty good leader and you, you know, you're exhausted, right? You've been up for four days at that point. And the same thing is going to happen when you're an entrepreneur. People are going to whisper to you and they have the plum corporate job and they're like, come on, you can't go on the next family trip with us. You can't go on this uh, boys weekend golf trip. I mean, come on, what are you doing? Really? Is it really worth it? Come on. Who hasn't heard that? Right? That's real. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Gives me fun thinking about it. (laughs) <laughs> getting fired up all of it but i mean that that's what that's what charges i think so many entrepreneurs and you know anyone that's like starting something is sometimes that negativity when you have that focus channel and and understand what your mission is i mean did that did that fire you up or or did you have moments where you said you considered quitting at one point i mean did you kind of internalize that and turn that into something that helped you be that great leader or, or how did you mentally process that? Yes. Uh, Brad, thank you for bringing that piece up because actually I was going to, I, I forgot to pay off that story. Cause I, I literally just went back to that story for a second. It's, <laughs> but, but the point of telling you that, um, boy, I was pretty close to quitting is how did I stop from quitting? And I had created, and you'll see it in the book, uh, this, an outcome account. I, I didn't know of it as an outcome account. I just knew it was an out. I called it an outcome movie at the time. And before I would take any action that was a transformative action, good or bad, I'd be mm. like, okay, how badly am I going to regret this if I ring that bell? And when it was at my worst, weakest moments, I would play this outcome movie of what it would be like 20 years from now, when I'm a father and I'm telling my kids, don't do what dad did, mm. don't quit. Wow. How does that feel? I just always found enough energy to take another step. Not already Brands Tribe, we are privileged to have Darren and Kirsten here, found the co-founders of Cloverleaf. If you are building a team uh, or, or have a team, this is an essential piece of software that you guys need to start implementing right away. And we're so privileged to have them here with us to explain why this is crucial to you building or battleground brand. We uh, started this company a couple of years ago because we had an awesome experience working on a team with a great culture. And with that, we were able to produce so much more than we ever thought we were capable of. And a lot of people have that experience, an amazing team, one time only if you're lucky. And so with Cloverleaf, we've put a lot of psychology data and calculus together to be able to expose what is it that makes a team great. And so we help you recreate that magical team experience that everybody longs to have. Come on to our product and get started. Whether you're a team of one, it's just you, or you're a team of multiple hundreds, um, we've got really easy ways for you to get started. Just come to cloverleaf.me and get started. And special for our Battle Ready Brands listeners, we have a code to get 30% off. You just type in Battle Ready 30 when you check out.
for those of you who are listening, we're going to tell you to stop, pull over the car if you're driving, get out a notebook and a pen. And and can you walk us through this, Alden? You you, you draw a diagram in the book. Uh, can you walk them through how do they how do they draw that? How do they create that for themselves? So you create a a large T, right? Just take out a blank piece of paper and create a large T that covers three quarters of the page. On the top of the T, the very top of it, you're going to define your goal. Graduate from Navy SEAL training, build a million dollar business, uh, X billion, whatever it is, right? But be as specific as you can about defining the goal. And then I want you to write a plus underneath on the left-hand side of the T and a minus on the other side. And on the plus side, I want you to answer three things. Number one, what is the po- what's the outcome? But that's a positive outcome, right? Who does it impact? And how does it make you feel? So let's take the case of graduating from Navy SEAL training. Uh, what's the outcome? Alden made it. He became, he's going to become a Navy SEAL. He's um, first one in his family ever to do it. First one from his town in in Massachusetts. He gets to do something that uh, he'd been dreaming about for a long time, right? All these different little positive outcomes. Number two, who does it impact? Well, it impacts me. It impacts me as a father. It could impact my children to say, well, I'm going to set an example for him. It impacts my parents because they are now going to be able to tell their friends, he made it. My son didn't give up. He kept going. And it also impacted my aunt. My aunt was actually, uh, this is on Carolyn. She, she was always whispering in my ear, you got to go do this. You were built for this. You keep going. <laughs> and then, and then how does it make me feel when I tell them, hey, I did it and, and, and I'm doing it and I'm serving the country and all these different things, right? And then you do the exact same thing, but now on the negative, I didn't make it. Who does it impact and how does that make you feel, right? It's, it's a much deeper, it's putting a how to your why, Right? There's a whole bunch of reasons why I wanted to be a SEAL. Many of them are personal. Many of them could be considered egotistical probably. Like, could I make it? Was I tough enough to it? Uh, entrepreneurship is a lot like that. You know, without question to me, and I'm not trying to scare anybody off, but you don't have to go through SEAL training to get these lessons learned. You know, Go start a business. It's that's your own kind of SEAL training, and you need a whole bunch of swim buddies to help you get this thing off the ground. But it will be the single most rewarding thing you do personally, besides being a parent or working with certain people in your community. But it is one of the great things in my life, without question. And I use that outcome account with pretty much everything I do today. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and, and it's 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 funny. Most of these things, like even um, with the agency we have here, we, we always go back towards things that are simple, but not easy. Because it's very easy to get distracted by things that are complex. To think like this must be the right solution because it's so complicated. Um, but for those of you that are watching on video, and we'll we'll put maybe what like a downloadable thing in here that you can you can put together of how that looks. Oh, I think God. I think that is is such an important thing to have in your arsenal to be able to pull out and really understand the how to your why. 
and understanding what that outcome is, who it's at impacting, how it's going to make you feel like what that result is. Like, thank you for sharing that. That is, that is, that is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's communicated in, in the book. You talk about, um, where is I'm going to read the quote here. Uh, if you understand your why you'll figure out your way. Mm. Um, and it, it's not so much about trying to figure out charting the course as they're doing, you know, with their boats as captains, like, I'm not going to be able to map out the entire course, but if I have something that deeply grounds me uh, as like an anchor bedrock foundation as to why I'm even getting on this ship, then charting the course becomes secondary. It just becomes something that's an essential part of the process. I figure out along the way. So now, now, now having said that, we're not telling all of you just to jump off of a cliff. Like you've got to have some kind of a training and some kind of experience. And hopefully you have an idea of what you're trying to do and a general sense of where you're headed, but don't think you have to answer all the questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's okay if you don't have all the answers. Yeah. Just have a couple of good swim buddies, people that can whisper the right things in your ear. Yep. Have an aunt. And, uh, you know, I, I will say the hardest thing is like, you can have the most wonderful why in the world, but you have to figure out how to keep going. And that's what the outcome account is about. When you're at your lowest, when you're at your weakest, which we all are, we are not perfect. We are built imperfectly. That's where the outcome account comes in. That's going to be your how to keep going. I can figure out one more step. There is always a way. Mm -hmm. Man, that's powerful. That's good. I like that. That is really good. Um, so can you, can you give us, we've kind of danced around a little bit, but I want to take maybe a, a step back and kind of look at a little bit higher level. Um, can you give us a quick rundown of the four essential actions that make up the care framework that you talk about in your, your most recent book, mm -hmm. Unstoppable Teams? What is that? So the quintessential component to building a battle-ready brand, to building a company that lasts is you're building a culture. You have to have a culture that can stand the test of time. You see, a brand is nothing more than a reflection of its culture. Brand is the external of the culture, which is the internal of a company. A culture is nothing more than a reflection of its team, and a team is nothing more than a reflection of a leader. Those are the three bridges, right? That's it. It ain't complicated. It's just hard. And the thing about the culture is what you want to create is a culture that people have each other's back. They care for each other. My single favorite quotation that you see in the book a lot, and it really start the book off by Teddy Roosevelt is, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Your customers your community, your suppliers, they will all follow the same thing. How much do you care? So the four actions are based on what I call a care loop because it's not a destination. It's a constant spinning. It's a flywheel. In the care loop, being a military guy, I follow the KISS principle, which in itself is an acronym. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Care, connect, achieve, respect, empower. And you can fall in when you're building a team at any one of those, but you connect to build trust. You achieve to set direction. You create mutual respect so you have contribution and you empower to have owners. 
The more you can do that, the more you will build what I call a care-based culture, and that will stand the test of time. Mm, that's great. So, so you know, you, you, when you talk about that too, you know, you speak about um, not being the the Rambo or the individual. And I think our culture has sometimes idolized that fact of, you know, hey, you you've got to be that business Rambo and just do it yourself. Yeah. On. Yeah. And that kind of goes opposite from what you're talking about with uh, this unstoppable team and how it makes, you know, with this care, care loop, how you can do more as a team than you can as a, as a Rambo individual. What, what have you seen? Have you ever experienced where you've seen some of those Rambos and how that's just led to uh, massive failure as opposed to uh, an unstoppable team that's, yes. that's using that care loop? Massive failure. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, there were times where I was that Rambo in the company. I was the one that had created, uh, well, I want to be really careful how I say this. Yes, they'll say, oh, he was the Navy SEAL that invented the perfect pushup. It took 25 people to build the perfect pushup. Wow. Okay. I'll take credit for writing the napkin design, but I didn't do the real design. We had a super Jedi that did the real design. I didn't do the marketing. We had a phenomenal marketer who did all of that, right? Yet there was a point in our company where we were taken off and the Inc. 500 came out and Alden was like, well, you know, I'm the chief innovation officer and the CEO and, you know, all ideas come through me and everything. That was a recipe for total disaster. And we had some disaster after the Inc. 500 came out. And it wasn't until I removed myself from that and had everybody participate in creating ideas that the company really blossomed and went to higher levels. Wow. So that that's a personal story. You know, there's lots of them out there. You, I, I'm very reluctant to throw out anybody's name that you see out in the world today. But, you know, let's take a look at uh, Tim Cook at Apple. He's actually a very reserved person. He's not saying Apple is about me. He's saying it's about the entire organization. And Steve Jobs in his second coming, he was the same way. His first time around, he was a disaster. It was all about him. Yeah. Yet he he went on his own little journey for a while. He wandered. He got lost. And he came back and kind of had an enlightenment, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that was a wonderful story to watch what he did. Read about Pixar and Creativity, Inc. I love Ed Catmull and what he talks about and how those guys are doing wonderful creation, right? but it's a total team sport. Yeah. And, and those are some wonderful examples of where you'll find success after sometimes realizing, yeah, I starts with me. I, I was the, the one at fault. And in the beginning, it's easy to be that. Well, not easy, but entrepreneurs are very often known for like, they're the ones that are leading the charge and they have to in the beginning, right? A lot of times they got to get people to buy into their journey. Then at some point, and this is the hardest part of the entrepreneurial journey. You found success. You have to let go of your power to empower others. That's how empowerment works is you have to let go. Mm. So others can be empowered. Mm. That's a, that's a 
Strong quote. Let go of your power yeah. to empower others. And it's and it's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard, especially, I mean, so many things factor into that. I mean, how do, what did you feel like when you finally created Perfect Push-Up, you're in a magazine, and, and, and you kind of alluded to it, like after that came out, you had to take a step back. Like, how did you identify that person that could kind of come in and fill some spaces? And how did you kind of relinquish some of the power that you had? Well, let, let's be clear. After the Inc. 500 came out and when they said, oh, I had to step back, that's because I was in my next great disaster. My bank had frozen my line. We were told we should go bankrupt. I mean, here we are, the darling. And then all of a sudden, I feel like a dumbass. Mm. And we had a $15 million line, $8.8 million outstanding, and the bank wants us to pay it back in 30 days. And by the way, myself and my two other swim buddies are co-signed on the line. We don't have $8 million sitting in bank accounts. We grew everything through the bank line. I don't own an $8 million home. None of us. All three of our homes together wouldn't even cover a fraction of it. So, you know, and by the way, I had some other investors telling me, now you're a real dumbass. Look what you've done. You know, is that helpful? No. We had to figure out a way to move that bank from going from 30 days to 300 days and keep the golden goose laying eggs instead of killing it because the golden goose isn't made of gold. And probably doesn't. There was a whole series of challenges there. And during that time period, the biggest thing that helped me was I got this letter from this child, 14 year old boy. And he said, dear Mr. Perfect Push-Up Man, thank you for making the perfect push-up. I followed your workout routine four times. One routine is three weeks. So you did it for 12 weeks. And I made the JV football team. Wow. Next year, I'm trying out for varsity. Thank you, Johnny, number 25. So cool. And I had lost my way. I'd forgotten what the business was. I had gotten so wrapped around how many can we ship, how fast can we get it out, that I had forgotten what our business was really all about. And when you build a battle-ready brand, you must always stay centered on why you started your business in the first place and why your customers, your community, your contributors, your employees, your coworkers, why they should be a part of this. Mm. That's what will keep your brand battle-ready always. Wow. You know, I think, I think the tendency maybe, and I'm, I'm going to speak only from my experience because I spent seven years in nonprofit. We think nonprofit world, that kind of fuzzy, good feeling is, it's just part of it because nonprofits are designed to, to serve other people and to make the world a better place. But sometimes we forget that as business builders, the purpose should be why we got into it in the first place is to solve a problem. We're there to make somebody else's life better. So, I mean, can you talk about that letter was one of the things that kind of affected you in a positive way and helped you, you know, regain focus. Is, is there, is there something practical that maybe somebody who's listening can do today to maybe have that experience? Maybe it's, they need to call a customer. Maybe it's, they, they need to go and take some time alone and, and explore why they even got into it. Like, what are some things that somebody can do today who's just kind of feeling bleh and they, they've forgotten why. Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. So there, there are, there's a lot there. 
to unpack on that, but I call it the three lines of leadership. The first line is leading yourself. The second line is what everyone usually thinks of. It's leading your directs. Your directs are those that directly report to you. They're on your team. You know, if you're the entrepreneur leading your company, then it's the people inside your company. The third line is a critical line. And when this third line is connected, it will make your brand unstoppable. And that third line are your indirects. They're the ones outside your company, the ones that you can only influence. They are your customers, your community, and your contributors. And every single week, I would always look to reach out to a key customer. How can I help you? What's going on? What are you dealing with? And there are many times, I'll give you an example. I Even as a CEO, I worked with Walmart. I did, I did the sales for nine years for Walmart. And there were many times the Walmart buyer, senior buyer would call me and was like, I got a question on this fitness product or in this di- division. Had nothing to do with me. I, I just wanted him to be successful. And there were times where I'd be like, you know what? My product's not a fit for you. What you, I like this other brand's product and here's why. For your contributors. Now, when I speak of contributors, I'm talking about suppliers and vendors. And, and one of my swim buddies was really good at this. We would go to China and we'd go onto the manufacturing lines and we wanted our line to be the one that everyone wanted to work on. So we put in rubber matting that was cushioned. We got them ear and eye pro because they don't do that all the time over there. We wanted them to be safe. We wanted them to be comfortable. We wanted music piped in on our line. We did all kinds of things for our line. And you know what would happen? The, the CEO of the manufacturing company would be like, you know what? I think I'm going to do that for all my people. Thank you. And, and, and so you would do things like that. And then for the community, there were key communities we wanted to be a part of. There are perfect push-ups on every ship in the Navy. There were first responders, police and fire. There were school PE programs that we knew weren't getting funding that we wanted to have some kind of input. This wasn't when we do this, we are going to send out a press release. This was, we wanted to give back and we wanted to not just give back with product, but also with skill-based volunteering time. And I promise you, every time you give and you give without expectation of return, you will receive so much more. Wow. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Ooh, you, you guys might need to listen to this one two or three times to get all this this gold in here. I mean, it's just it's so refreshing. It's so refreshing to hear just your experiences. And I mean, we talk about going the second mile. You know, sometimes it's serving other people. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna go above and beyond the call of duty. <laughs> there you go. And, and just to hear a real life story of how you've done that, you've demonstrated that. I mean, I, I am very confident that people who are listening to this episode are going to be shook. Like, awake, this is a wake-up call. This is, this is a wake-up call. Go out there and do something different. Yeah. So how, how can you affect, I mean, even the people that are manufacturing the product all the way across on the other side of the world. It, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's very smart because, obviously, you know, and everybody's put it together by now that it, when you do serve those people who are actually manufacturing the product that's going to go 
a long way, a little way, it's going to make an impact in the quality of product that is then being manufactured. Uh, it, it's just genius. So guys, take a step back and see the bigger picture. Like, how can you do that for your business today? How can you do that for your team today? Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So, I mean, I think, so you've shared with us that, that care framework, uh, the outcome accounts, it's a really good quote. And we'll help pull some of these out in a, in a downloadable file too. Because I think, I mean, there's so much here that I think this is just worth pausing and re-listening to and really thinking yeah. about these things to change the direction of how you're giving back, which, who you're listening to, who's on the, what was it? Was it the X, X team? Uh, what, what did you- X division. X division. X division. X division. Who, who's in that X division? I mean, there's so much here. And again, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And I think what you've yes. given us all is all the simple things that you've experienced from leading three SEALs teams to, you know, fastest, one of the fastest growing companies in America. I mean, you guys, Rowan this Champ. is Rowan Champ. This is, this is from someone that's not just talking philosophy, but has been there, that's been in the trenches, that's seen the ups, seen the downs. And these are real tested truths. I want to just jump in on one thing, guys, because I, it, I, I really, I, I've told you this before. I'm proud of you. I want you to keep going on what you're doing. We need more of you out there. We need more of you cheering on this next generation of entrepreneurs to tell them, you can do it. You can do it. But when they get stuck, outcome accounts are helpful. Swim buddies are helpful. But when you get stuck, give. Just Go out there. You're going to get burned out at times. You're going to be sick of whatever you're doing. Every great thing I have ever accomplished happened to correspond with a period of great giving. And I'm not talking about writing a check. I am talking about uh, leading a bond campaign for our public school. I'm talking about being the president of a charity in San Francisco to send at-risk youth to camp in the school. I'm talking about teaching quadriplegics how to swim or being a, a special Olympics basketball coach, which by the way, they were better basketball players than I was. But every single time, I was doing something and, and it, it hurts your head to think about this because you'd be like, I don't have the time for this. I can't, I just can't do it. Trust me, you will find some time. And when you do a couple of unbelievable magical things in the universe are going to come to your side. And you're like, Oh, Alden's going off talking about the universe. Look, Western, Philosophy talks about quantum mechanics and what happens when you put energy and we're trying to define it. Eastern philosophy figured this out a long time ago. It's called karma. Help others, they'll help you. Okay? Just trust me. When you feel get stuck, don't you dare throw the towel in. Go help somebody for a little while. For an hour, two hours, a weekend. You'll get unstuck. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you said, I, I, I can't find time for this. Make the time. Yes. <laughs> what, what you what you care about the most is what you'll make priority for. So if you're stuck, guys, listen to Alden. Yeah, find a way to give. Find a way to share your talents and resources without the expectation of anything returned. 
but just of, yeah. of, of giving back yeah. and, and it will, it will be returned to you. And that's, and that's the only way to, we'll, we'll, we'll end with this, but I mean, that's the only way to really, we're talking about building a battle ready brand, but we want it sometimes, you know, we say it's gritty, it's hard, it's, you know, it's rugged, but I mean, we want, we want you to be joyful along the journey. Like we want you to, sure, there are going to be times when you don't enjoy it, but you can infuse joy into what you're doing by making a difference in somebody else's life, by giving back, by serving, by finding a way in your community to make a difference. You got to prioritize that. Boom. Boom. I'm just both you right there. Yes. Keep keep going. Yes. Yes. Love it. Matt and Brad, that's exactly it. We've, we've got one last segment and we're done. It's called the knockout round. Knockout round. Here we go. So we're going to ask you a series of questions, Alden, and you've got to tell us kind of either or. So round one, we have the San Francisco 49ers. QBs here, quarterbacks from the 49ers. Okay, the quarterbacks. There yes, you go. two iconic ones. So we've got Joe Montana versus Steve Young. Steve Young. There you oh, go. Why? 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 Because I heard a terrible story about Joe Montana and it really pissed me off. <laughs> and it had to do within the community and he was charging a school for him giving a talk and I never charge schools for talk. There you go, man. Bam. That'll do Steve it. Steve Young. <laughs> yeah. Hey, give back without ex- expectation of anything hey, in return. That's right. We're looking at you, Joe. Okay. Round two, Boston Red Sox versus New England Patriots. Which one is the more? Oh, you guys. Which one is That's the most iconic? Terrible. How could you do that to me? <laughs> which one's the more iconic brand in New England? Oh my God! Well, which one's more iconic? I mean, it would. I mean, just for longevity's sake, it would be the Boston Red Sox. But <laughs> um, it's a good you one. Know, I would. I would pick the Patriots. I, I just like football more than I like baseball. Yeah. Um, and and certainly the team consistency that Bill Belichick has built is really remarkable. It's, I, I would dare say that New England, the Patriots, are a battle-ready brand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a good choice. <laughs> That's good. Okay, round three. So we know you're an iPhone guy. Um, so this one's a little more technical. So the iPhone with the the aux cable that you can plug in. Or without, so the new ones they made, and it's just like the one. You have to, you know, the new iPhones. You got to have the dongle, and it was just this this turning point as a brand. I, Apple had to be like, how can we be different? So we'll take, you know, the headphone jack out. So I don't know how how many iPhones you've used, but would you say older generation iPhone or newer generation iPhone? Well, I am a technology laggard. And I had always enjoyed the wired headset and I always felt like there's way too much power in these things. And I'm only using a very small portion of it. (laughs) I like the older phone. There you go. There you go. Iconic. All right. All right. So for all that, it's the rotary phone next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Getting there. (laughs) Okay. So, so round four, Let's say, so we, we know that you like, um, you know, not so much the, the vegetarian, vegan style meals, but you like, you like maybe some good um, meat. So let's do a steak or burger. Oh my gosh. Uh, a, a steak. Steak. All right. There we go. Filet mignon. Filet mignon. Uh yeah, actually, I would. I actually like flank steak. I love marinated flank steak. Oh, that might influence some of our lunch decisions. Yeah. I saw you looking at your watch. Time. I know. 
So, so since we know you love meat and seafood, kind of stemming from this question. So do we have New England seafood or Bay Area seafood? It's tough. Uh, that's, that's an easy one. Oh. I have lobster and clam chowder. I mean, come on. <laughs> right, there, right? A big bowl of Captain Parker's clam chowder. That's the best in New England. And a hot buttered lobster roll. There ain't anything better than that, boys. All right, dude. I think we just w- woken up all the, the, the Bostonian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so we heard that you love Marvel and DC movies. Is that true? That's true. Okay. Yes. All right, round six. So, yeah. Superman or Thor? How <laughs> uh, 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 do I love? You know, Thor. Okay. <laughs> is, is it his long flowing locks? I uh, I just love the humor. I love the sense of humor with Thor, right? I mean, Superman, God bless him, he's a little too nerdy for me. Yeah. You know, he's just like, well, Clark Kent here, do this, do that. And Thor's, give me drinks, drinks beer. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Right? And hey, yeah. I mean, after all, Superman is wearing his underwear on the outside. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thor, you got to love it. He's always like laughing at the guys he's about to beat the crap out of. What would you a little beverage? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. That's good. Okay, so round seven. So we, we hear you've got a, a sweet tooth. Is that right? You like sweets? Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, no, nothing. Where are you getting all this detail from? Hey, hey, the internet knows everything. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Snickers or Oreos? Oreos. All right. Wow. I love Oreos. I yeah. love Oreos. So, so when you eat Oreos, did you like them with milk or, or do you like them just plain by himself? Oh, no, no. First, you got to go through like a sleeve of Oreos, then have the milk. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you think? So going deeper here, you know, they've got the traditional Oreos. Now they have all the different flavors. They have double. Oh, no, 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 no. I was double stuffed. You know, I was double stuffed for a long time. And then I was like, you know what? This is getting a little too sugary for me. And now I go back to the classic. I think my taste buds have changed. I've gotten older. I used to have a massively super sweet tooth. And now I need more layers. Like mm. I, I like the classic. Yeah. The sophisticated taste of the, the Oreo lover. Yes, the <laughs> Oreo connoisseur. <Yeah>. They just <laughs> need some like some Thor Oreos. We need to figure out how to make that combination. Be like yeah. triple stuff. <laughs> okay, so 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 round eight. So we know that you like to to work out. You, you still run in the morning? Is that part of your routine? Uh, it's a run walk these days. I do a lot of hiking. My I try and do a physical. Uh, goal every year, so most of my workouts are geared around hiking mountains now. Oh wow, that's cool. you know you should have come to Matt and I. We just did a Spartan race in a Colorado at an army base. Um, so- uh, no, no, I, I don't need to pay to get a kick in the nuts anymore. <laughs> You're like I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my- people ask me all the time. Oh, I want you on my Tough Mudder team. I'm like, come over here. I'll just kick you right in the nuts and. We're- <laughs> 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 You're like, why would I pay to do that? And I did that before it was cool. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't need any more of that one. <laughs> so if you had to choose push-ups or burpees, which is worse? Which is worse? Burpees? There you go. By, a, by a long shot. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there maybe something for perfect fitness to design there, the perfect burpee? Ooh. Uh, actually, that's funny you bring that up. There is something out there that we've been looking at. Yeah, we'll talk about Interesting. That yeah, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so round nine, we're almost done. We just got this one, one more left. 
So um, we know you like pickup trucks. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, I like trucks. I like four-wheel drive. Nice. So Dodge or Chevy? Man, I got to tell you, the new Dodge is looking really good with a power wagon with that built-in winch in the front. I got to tell you, I think I'm going Dodge. Wow. And in particular, if I can have the Cummins turbo diesel. Oh, I love yeah. the Cummins turbo diesel. I'm not crazy about the new um, front end mm-hmm. of the Chevy. Now, had you said the GMC Denali pickup truck, oh. I like that front end. That, that's a nice truck. You know, I, nice truck. I, I relate to you. I like diesels. I'm looking at my car right now. It's a manly, beastly Jetta sport wagon diesel. yeah uh we had one of those we called it far from moving as in you know remember the old maybe you guys are too young they had far from nugan right it was like oh it's moving with fun it's like far from moving (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll plug my ears i didn't hear that that's awesome yeah when we we had lots of volkswagens in my life i'm I'm, I'm with you i'm with you yeah they they stand the test of time but we, me and Matt jumped in the uh, the Z seventy one four wheel drive Tahoe. Yeah, every once in a while, and we're doing some some trips, so it, it gives us a little bit more muscle. That's time. that's a great ride. That's a great. We, ride. we take that one to appointments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one here, round ten. Um, so we hear you like tractors. You grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. True statements. Make sure the internet's not one of Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so John Deere or Case I? Oh, without question, I'm green. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. And by the way, I made that mistake a while ago when I was speaking to uh, farmers in Kansas. I had like 800 farmers in Kansas and it was actually sponsored by John Deere. And I was like, everybody must be a John Deere out here. Right. It is. Oh no. It's not, it's not the farming communities are not divided by the same color codes of Democrats and Republicans. They're, they have the color code of green or red. It's either John Deere or Case. Wow. Oh, I'm John Deere. Wow. Always been John. I got I've lots of John Deere tractor toys all over the place. Do you really? Someday I will have uh, a John Deere. Oh. Hey, I believe in you. You know, I think if you put your mind to it. Oh yeah, yeah, we're um, getting one of those. I'll move that. dirt. That's all I want to do. Just move dirt. You know, build shooting range or something. Oh. That's that's cool. Well, you seem like a really traditional guy. You got traditional Oreos. You got the John Deere. You've got kind of the old traditional um, steak, iPhone, or rotary phone. Rotary phone. Which one we agree. <laughs> rotary phone. Pulling out. <laughs> that's good. So, Alden, thank you so much for being on our show. This was you gave such great practical tips to anyone out there that's an entrepreneur trying to create a battle-ready brand. Um, you really represent the heart of what we're doing here, Alden. I mean, I think like empowering these people, you know, our, our tagline is fueling brands to endure. Like guys, again, he's he's been through so much and has given so much gold here. A lot of fuel. A lot of fuel. Go get his books. Be unstoppable and unstoppable teams. If, if you like what you've heard today, go, go do yourself a favor. Buy these books. Invest in yourself. So then you can invest into your team and you can create an unstoppable brand and an unstoppable team. Alden, thank you so much for being on our show. You're the man. We appreciate you. Thanks, man. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Keep them fired up out there.